to another episode of 10 Minutes with a Master Enchilada Roller. I am Russell Ibarra, and uh, I have a very special guest today, a, a fellow restaurateur uh, by the name of Michael Sandbrooks. And Michael is the president uh, of Sandbrooks Management Company, and Michael and his team uh, operate, the opera, um, operate the pit room barbecue on Richmond. And uh, they recently acquired three restaurants from Cherry Pie Hospitality, uh, Sam's Fried Chicken and Donuts, uh, Starfish, which, which is now 1752 C and Bar, mm-hmm. and Pie Pizza, which is currently closed. But uh, y'all, y'all do plan on doing something uh, with that space? No, we, we got rid of the space. Okay. So yeah. anyway, so uh, welcome, Michael. Thank you for joining me. Uh, I think people are going to really enjoy this podcast because uh, you're in the beginning stages of your long, uh, hopefully long-running career in the food service industry. And yeah. uh, you've... Uh, uh, you have started. You have definitely started off the right way, but anyway, um, and you also opened up a, a Mexican restaurant in Montrose called Candente. Correct. What does Candente mean? So Candente is incandescent, hot, burning hot. That's kind of the literal translation, but it's an interesting word because it's got a lot of different meanings. Because it's it can be much talked about, hot topic, can be hot tempered person. Okay. Okay. So, it's a so just just a hot concept, basically. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, very yeah. cool. Yeah. So where, you grew up in Kingwood, correct? Kingwood, yeah. Graduated right. in 04. And uh, you went to school in Baylor? So I went to Baylor uh, briefly. I was uh, pursuing a football career at the time. So, uh, you know, I had a few scholarship offers out of uh, high school, but nothing I really liked. And uh, I ended up walking on to Baylor. Uh, tried to ride that out for a couple of years. Uh, didn't quite work. And then went to junior college to kind of pursue the football career before I gave up on that and then ended up back at U of H. So what did you play? Um, I was a linebacker in high school. Then we defensive end in uh, college. Okay. So when he walked in here, I, I just quickly asked him, how tall are you? And, he, and I said, six, three, he goes six, five. I, said, I apologize. I didn't mean to cut off two inches, but you're, 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 you're a big guy for sure. Yeah. So, um, where, when did you first start out in the restaurant business? What, what got you interested in it? Well, um, I think, when I was at Baylor, I decided to come back to Houston. Um, I think I texted my dad. I said, you know what? Football's not working out. I think I want to be in the restaurant business. And uh, so my, my goal was to come back to U of H, get into the hotel restaurant management. Which program, you did. Which I, which I did. Yeah. Which I did. I didn't finish there. But um, and then simultaneously, I got, you know, entry level jobs. Uh, I've had some waiter jobs. I think I started out at Papa Do's, uh, but I ended up getting a waiter job while I was in college at Stella Sola with Bill Floyd's uh, restaurant group. And then I ended up, my first management gig was at Reef long, long time ago, about eight or nine years ago now. Um, that's Caswell, right? Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Well, very cool. Um, what was your first actual first job? Was it server? Was it server? server at Papado? I think I was eighteen. You know, it's great training. Uh, if you work with Pappas, you've you've gotten some really great training. You their know? their server training was intense. I mean, it's obviously a model we try to achieve, but it's we're not there yet. But they're they're best in the business. One of you know. so, um, who would you consider to be or have been one of your mentors in the industry? 
Uh, mentors in the industry. So actually, uh, my director of operations, uh, Steve Breaker. So he was kind of, he was my boss at Reef, and my first management gig. So he was one of my early mentors. Taught me a lot to how to be professional, manage people, a lot of that stuff. Um, later on, you know, I kind of kind of kind of on my own a little bit. A lot of the jobs I had some, you know, varying quality management gigs throughout the city. So uh, I didn't really catch on to a mentor but obviously my dad was always in the mix he's always been you know a big mentor for me good um why why barbecue well my last gig was at good company before i left okay uh, levi levi, levi good. correct mm-hmm. and um why barbecue um honestly when i first went on to good company i'd never done kind of the qsr thing i was really uncomfortable probably the first two months and uh, I ended up falling in love with it. I love, love with the quick pace, you know, the, you can get customers in and out real fast. You can do a smaller footprint, turn and uh, burn, turn and burn. And uh, honestly just started cooking barbecue. Cause I got obsessed with it right. when I was there and started talking to my dad and we started looking and went for it. Well, uh, I, the passion for food definitely comes through in your product. Yeah. I can tell you that. Um, Thank you. Thank you. Um, I told, uh, like I mentioned to you, I don't know if it was Father's Day or what, but my wife had ordered barbecue from another restaurant. Of course, I'm not going to mention the name. But um, when I found that out, I said, no, <laughs> cancel that order and go order from the pit room. <laughs> well, and, I appreciate that. Yeah, and I actually picked it up and... Um, yeah, so we'll leave it at that. But it was it was excellent, and everyone enjoyed the food. So, what what do you think is the main point of difference in your product, your food? Um, because everyone I, will always say they have great food, but you know what? What if you were to you know point to one thing? What is the point of difference that sets you apart from other barbecue places? Because obviously, there's the Houston market is saturated in barbecue restaurants. There's they're almost sure. like Mexican restaurants. There's one on every corner. Yeah. And the hardest thing to do is uh, carve out a niche in such a crowded market. So yeah. you've done that. How do you think you did that? So a few different things. I mean, one of them is just a, I mean, a 100% commitment to quality, no matter what, even over price. I mean, obviously we have to look at price and make it fit into our, our program and all that, but we use all prime meats. We use heritage breed pork. You know, we make everything in house from the macaroni cheese sauce to the potato salad dressing to boiler. I mean, everything. Uh, and that was one of the main goals when we started out, but also to try and differentiate ourselves. Like you said, there's a lot of other barbecue places. So, you know, we wanted to be part of this, what we consider craft barbecue movement, which is a little more higher quality meat on the plate, like Franklin's, um, like Franklin's and all that. We wanted to be centrally located in Houston. Not many people had done that at the time. I think we we're the first one to be, First or second one to be inside the loop in Houston. Um, and also, you know, we said we're not going to open and sell out. We're going to open and we're going to commit to being seven days a week, lunch and dinner. We're going to be a consistent presence and we're going to do whatever it takes to make that happen. Uh, whereas I don't think a lot of people are willing to go through that effort Um like barbecue's tough. It's 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 just a just hard work. It's hot. It's messy. It's tiresome you know heavy meats all that so uh committing to kind of all those three things and then a little factor to kind of differentiate ourselves is you know everybody kind of goes with a southern flair to their barbecue you know collard greens that kind of stuff we really wanted to have kind of a tex-mex flair right i was going to bring that up because um that seems to be a trend yeah Uh, you know there's a you know i always uh, tell people it's it's uh, important 
if you have the ability it's great if you have the ability to see around the corner what's coming down the road and for example there's these uh, quesa tacos that are very popular right now um they call uh, tacos de bidia or yeah. something like that. And they, they, they sell it with the consomme and they, you dip the tacos in there and it's really good. Are you rolling that out? Is it- we, 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 it's been on the menu at Canete since day one. First time I did it, um, you know, I caught wind of it through Instagram and right. it, it's hot in LA, right? In San Antonio really, now. In San Antonio, yeah. And yeah. It hadn't hit Houston at the time. And uh, I think the first time I did it was at like a, a barbecue throwdown at St. Arnold's. And it was the first version of the recipe. It wasn't great we've since done like eight different versions right of it. but uh we do that all the time yeah, yeah it's 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 been on the menu since day one and uh honestly about 10 to 15 percent of my sales at Condente go towards that one oh, wow yeah it's, it's so funny because i just sent a picture of uh Nipa's uptown they had posted a picture on instagram of that a particular item and uh i just sent it to my marketing director uh heather and I told her, look, I don't want, we, we did, we did test the product. We did uh, roll some out to, to see what mm-hmm. it looked like, but uh, we haven't actually served in our restaurants yet because we, we're just so busy with so many other things. And, and, uh, but yeah, it's, you know, uh, you always want to know what, what, what's pushing the, the consumer's buttons sure. in terms of um, something new and fresh. And that's one of the, probably the fresher items that I've seen, the newer items I've seen out there that people are really enjoying. There's a place in San Antonio that has, it's a taco truck basically, but it serves this item. And because of technology, you can place your order way ahead of time and you have a time slot dedicated. You just walk up, pick it up and walk away. And, uh, and they sell out too. Um, but yeah, it's, it's interesting to see what technology has done, what social media has done to uh, allow you to get your products message out or, or just to present it and, and show it off. Yeah. Um, so, so something you had mentioned earlier, you, you were just focused on quality ingredients, and, and that's what we did when we first launched Green Goes back in the day. Um, I, I was making money was important, but it wasn't my main focus. It was mm-hmm. really about trying to just put out the best product I knew how to put out at that time. And I can already tell you, in the 20, soon to be 28 years that we've been open, every year we've made changes to improve. And right. uh, we've never been a what i call a bottom line focus company we've been more of a top of the plate we right. want to make sure whatever we're serving is good and uh, we'll worry about the money later mm-hmm. and so speaking of that though it's still important to know your numbers sure what kind of cost of goods do you run in in um in barbecue oh you would uh you'd probably fall over <laughs> no, no. Probably, I'm, I'm guessing it's 40 to 50 it's 42 percent food cost okay, yeah no yeah. no that's about that's... yeah it's 42 percent food cost which that was the last that was our now to be fair that was in may where brisket prices were going up a little bit and it was a little bit worse in june and then i haven't gotten the financials back for the next month but uh you know our lowest we've hit is about 36 percent food cost okay well but but the price, what's your PPA? What's your per, per, uh, check average per person? So my system doesn't really track, because uh, it's QSR, so mm. it tracks tickets. And so it's about a $35 ticket. And the way I always get the per person average, right or wrong, it's probably not exact, but I always divide that by 1.5 or okay. 1.5. Well, so, still, so it's better, so it's a better than 17 and less than 25. Correct. Per person. Okay. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Well, that's still good. So, because yeah. um, so another thing that a lot of people don't look at because uh, price point or, or cost of goods, uh, although you know we hover around thirty three percent, and that includes our paper. But the higher your check average, that actually will go up. Your cost of goods will go up because your dollar contribution is so much higher. 
Right. So that's why some fast food joints um, are in the 20s because their check average is so low. And they yeah. have to turn so many, and it requires that much more staff and labor. And, and so all that plays into it. So if you, uh, what's, your, what's your labor running? Uh, my labor's not bad. My labor runs about 26%, but that's because of the structure of the business. What I'm, I have a large tip pool okay. that, that I'm helps. able to, because since it's a QSR and line service, I'm able to offset some of my direct labor expense with that tip pool. So it, it helps substantially. So everybody there makes a good hourly rate, minimum good. of eight, nine dollars, uh, no matter the position. And then they get that tip pool on top of that. So um, do you really do you establish out. a certain dollar amount or do you do it based on hours, based on allocated hours? Uh, uh, so it's it's based on per shift. There's a percentage per position okay. per day that goes to each position. So obviously my kitchen staff, my, my pit guys make, you know, anywhere from 12 to plus an hour or so. And they also get a lot more in the tip pool than, say, a busser does just because their contribution is, is a lot higher. But... They end up making around three fifty to three seventy five from a bus or an extra an hour. Okay, well, nice. that's that's really good. Yeah. Uh, so, what what POS system do you use? Toast. Okay, so toast. toast uh, so you have the one that you, you the guest gets to add the gratuities. You flip it. Yeah, it's really convenient. Really so convenient. Um, toast is that toast is not square, is it? No, they're their own thing. I, they, they've okay, been okay. Up. So toast they, is yes. Yeah. So what about? Um, what do you have your percentages break, broken down as? So I do them a little lower. Uh, I think I have lowest. Uh, I, I, I might have done sub 15 or started at 15. I might have started at 12 and then gone up to 15 and then gone up to max at 18 because there's three options. Right. So obviously we're line service. People aren't given a full 20% for our service unless they feel, you know, extra generous. Right. Uh, so I started at uh, sub 15 for the percentage on the, that, the, you know, that it offers the guest. You know, you hate. You hate trying to squeeze extra dollars out of a guest, don't yeah, you? Yeah, you know, I hate I don't, that feeling. Yeah, I hate that too. Yeah. Um, yeah, if I if we had that system in play at, on a counter service, I personally would probably start off at five. Yeah, five, <laughs> ten, fifteen, and right. other because you can do other, right? Sure. So um, and let let the guest decide. It's that tricky point. though because the other it gets a little more complicated for the guest. You have to push three or four buttons and enter in the mount. So it kind of they'll they'll either hit none rather than hitting other just because it gets complicated because of the speed and the pressure to get through the line. Right. So um, that's kind of where we went with that. No, 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 that's good. Um, You have to get them through the line uh, for sure. So um, what's the most number of briskets you ever cooked in one day? Ooh. So we only have two pits, and we're we're running on two 500-gallon offsets. We have uh, another 250-gallon offset. So our, our, our max capacity, uh, we've modified those, is um, is about 70 briskets. So we've cooked more than that, but it takes a whole week of planning. So, you know, around, if we're going to do it on the weekend, around Tuesday, we'll start par cooking about five, bris- five to 10 briskets a day up to about 70% and putting them off in the walk-in. So that the day that the big day comes, call it July 4th, call it uh, Father's Day, we've got our, our max load, which is 60 or 70, and then we can pull that off on its regular schedule. But throughout the day, we only have three or four hour pickups on the brisket. So since we have those set aside throughout the week, that allows us to do, I think we've done about 120. Okay, on that's, a, on that's a, a lot of briskets. A lot of briskets. Yeah. yeah, my brother, my older brother, and he lives in Palestine, Texas, and he is in the process of opening up a barbecue restaurant. 
Oh, good. good. Uh, it's a small place, and that's where that's what he should do. Start off in a small place. Yeah. Uh, it's a. Yeah. It used to be a Long John Silver's. Okay. It's, so it's an old building, but he's having it uh, completely uh, redesigned um, by one uh, one of the best designers in town. So hopefully oh, uh, he can keep it um, simple and nice for that market, which is yeah, it's Palestine. But um, so, do you visit your competition often? Do you like to? You know, or are you just too dang busy with your own place? Uh, I'd like to visit, as of late, I like to visit my restaurants a lot. Uh, and that's not just because I'm really trying to visit my restaurants as a customer. And I'm, it's kind of been one of the things we've been thinking about a lot lately as a team is is uh, get out of the four walls and try to see everything from the diner's perspective. So um, That is so important. I, yeah, I like to try to come into our restaurants and, you know, not not just go behind and make myself food, but go through the full experience and try to get them to cut for me, ask me questions. Uh, same with the the Tex Max and the seventeen fifty one. Um, but yes, I do go. Uh, you know, I like to go to you know Nymphas, El Tiempo every once in a while to kind of compare where we're at with them. Uh, I like to go to Uchi, State of Grace. You know, a few of those things. Cotarabada, trying to kind of check the seafood market out. I tell you, who's doing a really good job in town right now? Do you know Ben Berg? Yes, yes, B and B. Yeah, he's I doing mean, a fantastic job. I mean, he really brought uh, Cafe Annie back to life. Yeah, I haven't been since his re rebranding or oh his, his, his takeover, but yeah, uh, um, I need to. I mean, um, Robert Del Grande, he's he's a fantastic chef. But I don't know. It was that it just lost its soul. I mean, mm-hmm. the, you, know, you went there and it was just a dying brand. Yeah. And so he partnered with uh, Ben, and it is completely different. And then he yeah. opened a new place below it called uh, Turner's. Now that I want to go check yeah. out. So yeah. I've been there three times already. Yeah. Yeah. I've taken different guys with me, and we, it's just a really cool place. You got to get a reservation because it's very small, and there's only so many seats in that restaurant. But, but he's uh, doing prime rib there, though, right? Um, prime rib. You know, I don't remember seeing prime rib. He does Maybe have he does have a steak for sure, obviously. But yeah. it's just a cool place. I mean, you know, he even has a hot dog and hamburger on the menu. Yeah, um, yeah it's expensive. That. Expensive is all sure. get out. But you know, but you expect that. And sure, I'm sure, sure it's high quality. And and yeah. you know, I just uh, I, that's one of the reasons why I enjoy going out and trying different restaurants is just seeing their spin on things. And, and yeah, it, I mean, and, and it gets you going. It gets your creative juices going because you think of a different idea how you could spin that in your own concept. But um, it's it's just a lot of fun uh, visiting competition. Uh, do you know Dominic Lorenzo? I've never met him uh, directly, but I know of his his concepts. Right. And obviously, you know, I've been to Lorenzo's and right. you know the El Tiempos. But yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna send him your number. I'm gonna tell you uh, y'all two need to talk. Okay, yeah, he's he's a super nice guy, and yeah. uh, I just you know he opened a place down the road from our Stafford location, and uh, he didn't want to tell me that he was opening. It used to be. Uh, uh, Texas Landing Cattle there at the uh-huh. mountains. That was their opening week. I, I used to live out there. Yeah. So he, um, I found out through Michael Berry. He said, hey, uh, Dominic doesn't want to tell you. I said, no big deal. I don't care. I wouldn't visit him. And we did a photo shoot. I put him in a headlock and, like I was hitting him. <laughs> yeah. But And I posted it on social media. But, you know, the way I look at competition, and I really mean this, um, um, they make me better. Sure. So, uh, I, I don't want to be complacent. I don't want to be so comfortable that I don't uh, worry about losing a, a guest. I want to be under that pressure of performing because I think at the end of the day, it makes me better. And then it also delivers a better product to the market. Um, and we're, we're lucky for all the competition we have. 
No, I hundred percent agree. I mean, I love looking at the competitions. I think we all have different personalities. Right. If, if you're not trying to represent your personality and your brand and your food and all that, I mean, you got to do that first. If you're just trying to copy somebody else and put the same thing on the plate they are, right. then you're never going to be different and you're never going to, you know. And it goes back to that saying that the or slogan that the Texas Restaurant Association used to use, and it says, "Eating out is fun." And it's fun because of all the different spins that people do put on their food. Sure. You know, yeah. and because, uh, I mean, the last thing you want to do is go to a restaurant and eat exactly what you serve at your restaurant. That would make zero sense. Right. So right. that's that's why I enjoy it. I mean, one of my favorite restaurants is Armando's. I just enjoy going there. Actually, I enjoy eating out at other Mexican restaurants because I can relax. If I'm in my own restaurant, I cannot relax. Yeah. And I the, like to relax. Yeah. <laughs> it's for the first uh, three months we opened the Condente. I mean, I, I couldn't eat there because, you know, the minor thing, there's too much oh, sauce. Yeah. There's this, this tortilla is not fluffy enough. This, this ground beef wasn't seasoned correctly. I mean, you just, the stress is so intense that you can't, you can't do it. I've, I've since kind of taken a step back and can now kind of enjoy going you, in there as a guest. Do you use spice bags? Pre-portioned uh, spice bags? We make all of our, so all my recipes, um, I develop units of uh so so i have so let's say taco seasoning we have our own custom uh taco seasoning that we blend and so whenever they're making you know 20 pounds of right. taco meat they have even dumps so okay. they have like a, you know a quart is 20 pounds 40 pounds is two quarts so. yeah i would highly recommend even uh, dedicating uh, a day a week or a month to pre-portion those bags those mm-hmm. servings for that meat because yeah. even doing the whatever they're supposed to put in there they're always going to put different amounts and, and that's and, yeah and so that's one of the things we did almost from day one was to do spice bags and i got that idea from casa Light. yeah and, and larry forehand uh that founded casa Light in 73 he used to work for monterey house which had a commissary setup mm-hmm. but uh, monterey house took it to a whole new level where they were actually processing their produce and everything and you can't do that wow that's a, uh, that's yeah, a commitment so, there. Yeah, well, you know, uh, there's when it comes to produce especially, whenever you put a knife in anything, lettuce, tomatoes, avocados, whatever, the clock is ticking. Mm-hmm. And what you're supposed to do is minimize the time from the time that blade went into that produce to the time it's served. Yeah. And the shorter the window, the fresher, the better. And, um, yeah, produce is not very forgiving when it comes to time. Right. So that's why it's very, very important. So, um who um how, how did y'all manage through covid how have y'all done we've done okay we uh we were lucky enough to uh be involved in the first round of the ppp so um that helped substantially um and you were we're kind of in different markets with all three of our concepts we've got the high-end ish 1751 it's kind of a chef driven concept and then we've got tex-mex kind of fast casual and then we've got barbecue which is kind of more of the qsr so we had already done a lot of to go at the barbecue so all we had to do there is kind of pop up a drive-through and just make sure we could do curbside service had the ability to do that and it hung on on its own pretty pretty well. I mean, for, we dropped down. The lowest we dropped was to about 70% of pre-COVID sales. We're back up to about 85% of pre-COVID sales. Uh, the Tex-Mex place was tough because we had just launched the brand. Right. We didn't, when did y'all open? What was the date? We was October 16th of... Um, 19. 19, yes. Okay. Yeah, so we just <laughs> celebrated a year not too long ago. 
However, we had just launched the brand and we didn't really have time to get a loyal following. We were still trying to grow lunch business, still trying to go grow weekday business. Our weekends were there where we wanted them to be. So it was, it, it was our labor was still at an investment standpoint. Right, right. So we had way, way too much labor for the cost. And so we had to go pretty much to zero to get things kind of balanced out. And we closed down for about three to four weeks, um, but we're back open now and we eased in. We were doing three to four days a week and we're now up to five days a week, lunch and dinner okay, good. Uh, instead of the seven. And we're, we're coming up. We're going to be about, we're about 50% of what we were pre COVID and then it's getting better. So you have a big fan. That's uh, that's a writer, food writer, Eric Sandler. Yeah. He loves your food. <laughs> yeah. And does. I will say uh, I, when I went there with my wife, it was very good. And, good. and one thing I could tell, um, was whoever formulated the recipes, they knew what they were doing. Good. You know, I mean, you could tell they weren't struggling. Right. Uh, y'all, y'all, in other words, y'all hit it out of the gate the way you're supposed to. And that's great. That's, that's, that's what you want to do because uh, you can't look like an amateur in the inner loop. Uh, you you to, got to come out day one. I mean, and it's not like you can ease in just going lunch. I mean, you got to go day one, be ready to go lunch and dinner, which really just means that you're going to have to spend way too much on labor uh, to be able to do it. I mean, we had eight months to develop the recipes and the concept. So that's really the pizza place was where we just developed Candente. I mean, if we didn't have that kitchen space, then we would have been in trouble, had to rent rent kitchen space otherwise. But uh, uh, the, the food recipes, all good. I had, I was, I took uh, two weeks to train and even longer with my main kitchen lady who I took from the pit room who's worked with me for three or four years. So food, we knew we had to put good quality food, right? The, the training and the scheduling and all that, that was, uh, it wasn't as smooth as you, as it, you think it was. Now, one of, the, uh, one of the things Eric Sandler had mentioned, I think of the podcast or somewhere I read it, he said you had to fix your your AC or vent. So you had some um, HVAC issues. So we had some facility issues that were yeah. really bad because we didn't know it until we opened. Right. Uh, so when we lit up that grill and turned on all the hoods, I mean, it was basically just as hot as it was outside. And um, did you uh, bring in professional? Uh, several, several. So we went through Gray's Mechanical and we went through McMillan. And we had, so finally, Gray's Mechanical on maybe their. They're these Samsung smart units that, you know, we tried to change motherboards. We changed all the wiring to the thermostats. Everybody's telling us, you got enough tonnage, you got enough tonnage, you're not enough tonnage. And I'm going, well, it doesn't work. Right. Okay. So I, I don't have enough AC. So, and believe it or not, after about 12, 15 trips, lots of money spent on uh, AC professionals, it turned out to be dirty coils that nobody was going to get to because they had to cut an access panel through the roof to get to them. And oh, wow. nobody was telling me that they just couldn't get to them. So that, and then the CFMs need to be turned up a little bit on the, yeah, it's interesting. Um, how the things you learn in business, um, usually by default, but for example, a lot of people don't understand that when they walk into a restaurant, let's say that you walk to a mall and you open the door, you feel the air hit you. Mm -hmm. That's positive pressure. Right. And then if you walk to a restaurant, you open the door, you kind of feel hot air coming in the building a little bit. And so when you have uh, an exhaust system in the kitchen that's pulling out, let's say, 30,000 CFMs, cubic feet per minute of air, you have to replace that air. Because if you don't replace that air, you're going to be sucking in all the air conditioning from your dining room up the, up the vent. So there, that's how you balance. You, you, that's what fresh makeup air is. Um, and so if you're pumping out 30, you better pump in 28 right, uh, or whatever the formula is and, and balance that air because... 
If not, um, you're going to have a very uncomfortable dining room and a very expensive light bill. Huge problem. Yeah. yeah, huge problem if you don't get it right. Yeah. So the city of Houston, I believe, is uh, considering requiring um, restaurant tours to change out their grease traps or modify them, or they're, they're lowering the limits of what you're allowed uh, to uh, put back into the system uh, from, uh, I want to say, the, the BODs. Um, Anyways, it's a particular number that is currently 400, and they're going to reduce it to 200. It's going to impact a lot of restaurants. Yeah. And, uh, Al Flores, who's my general counsel, he uh, is the president of the TRA, or HRA, should I say. And um, so he was t- uh, telling me about it. And so, yeah, we'll see what that brings, because uh, we're in the city limits of, oh, well, we have restaurants all around Houston, but one of them that's in Pearland, uh, the city of Pearland requires complete pumps of your grease trap. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't mind a complete pump quarterly um, if our grease shop was the size that it should have been. But whenever we built the building in Pearland, our our architect or whoever the engineer was oversized it. So we had one of the largest grease traps around. I think it's like 12,000 gallons. Mm-hmm. And so when you pump that many gallons out, your your bill is like $2,500. Oh, sure. Yeah. And so we do that four times a year. So I'm in the same boat as you, and we built the pit room. Um, I guess my GC and architect didn't think I was going to do much business. We under, They undersized my grease trap. And so city came out, found the concentration of grease uh, was too high. So just like you're talking about, if they go down to half, I'll be in trouble because I now have to get monthly services for my grease trap, and I would be going down to buy weekly services if they change that concentration allowed probably okay so when you when you uh cook your briskets though you catch that grease correct we catch that grease and we to a degree though i mean yes we catch that out of the pits and we put it in a separate uh container that gets come comes and picked up but you got to think every tray that comes and gets gone run through the dish a lot lot of grease a lot of grease grease in the meat yeah so it's all meat all grease and yeah so live and learn that was a mistake we made building that one out but um, if i could do it again i'd definitely put a much bigger grease trap so do you have a disposal garbage disposal uh yes in in the dish pit you're in the dish pit so yeah we did away with those years ago we scrape everything did you that helps a lot obviously but um one of the things that i mean a lot of residents obviously have grease uh uh, what do you call uh, disposals in their house and they put it straight into the system all the time uh, but anyway, it's just, you know, it's, it's, uh, there's, there's a lot of moving parts in a restaurant. So let me ask you, um, where, uh, where do you want to take your brands? Of, of all the brands that you have, which one would you like to grow the, the most? Well, um, you know, I guess, uh, you know, Pit Room, maybe years and years from now, maybe we'd think about growing that. But, I, you know, I kind of view Pit Room as a location destination with a bar, and it's kind of a a fun place to hang out and eat. I'm not sure that you can replicate that, or maybe you could, uh, but it's also a lot harder to find the people to run that. And, you know, it's just a little harder to get up and going. Um, uh, if, if I look at any of our brands, uh, I mean, the Tex-Mex would be something that I would like to try to expand. Um, so that's why we put a lot of focus in right now of making sure our recipe book is documented, updated constantly to our volumes that we're doing and uh, trying to document everything. Um, I think that would be the only brand that I could probably expand uh, successfully. Well, there's there's going to be a lot of opportunities uh, with second generation properties. Yeah. And uh, just keep your eyes open because if you can get into a space that uh, was was a restaurant that was well built and all you have to do is reskin it, 
you, know, you have your infrastructure and your coolers, your hoods, um, and go for it because they're they're going to be there. You can make some great deals right now too. Yeah, I mean that's what we do with seventeen fifty one. I mean they they spent a ton of money building that place out, and uh, you know we were in, able to you know reskin it for less than you know a couple hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. Uh, now, obviously, we spent eight months developing the concept while we were paying rent and paying labor, so it ends up being just about the same, probably. But, <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah. So you're you're open seven days a week. Mm-hmm. How many days a week do you work? Uh, for probably the last four years, I would do six days a week, and I've just during COVID and probably a little bit before I started to take weekends. Uh, Are you married? Every other weekend at home. Married with three three young kids. Okay, so yeah, you have to, you yeah. have to give them the, your time now. Yeah, I mean, but with this last year, we were developing two concepts and trying to get them off the ground. I mean, it was, you know, you stay up late trying to do it and sleep as much as you can, get up around 9 or 10 and basically go all day. And so that was... It was a stressful year or so of my life that, you know, I wanted to make up for. Did you move closer? Or are you still in the Kingwood? We moved closer. Okay, we moved good. closer. Yeah. Well, that was so, smart. yeah, now we're only 10 minutes away from work. Okay, so, good. Yeah. Well, listen, I know uh, we could probably go on and on, and um, uh, but uh, since this is called 10 Minutes with the Master Enchilada Roller, and we've already been at 32, I think oh, I'm, I'm going to cut it off here. But okay. I just want to say that um, thank you for coming in, number one. Uh, number two, I wish you much success continued success i i really uh i've enjoyed seeing your passion uh behind your product because it comes through and uh for those listening if you have not tried the pit room i highly recommend it and if you want some delicious interlude tex-mex you now have a new option new choice uh with condente he did it right and actually my chief marketing officer heather mckeon went there she lives in the interlude now and um, she she loved it Good. And, and let me tell you, Thank she's you. she's the critic. Yeah. I mean, she's she's Good. hard on us. So. Good. Good. But anyway, Michael, thank you so much for coming by. I appreciate it. And um, any closing remarks? Yeah. I mean, I, I wanted to kind of say the same thing. Thanks for having me, obviously. But also, you know, thanks for taking the time to tell some of your stories. We don't really get a lot of, you know, honest stories from restaurateurs that have kind of been through it in the business. And I know I've learned a lot from listening to some of your honest stories on your podcast. And, you know, I think other people in the business we get a lot out of it and just want to say one thanks for having me but thanks for taking the time to do this well, thank you so much i appreciate it well y'all have a great day and thank you for listening and uh thank you derek for putting this up and i'll talk to you on the next one